as we listen to Steve's story, how that God has taken what we would consider tragic and tragedy and, and certainly difficult and difficulties. Uh, and yet, as Steve examines his life, he sees that God has given him a second chance and he doesn't need a third. How that God has shaped his life so that he is a, an ambassador for Jesus every day that he lives, where he's at the gym and people ask him about uh, what's going on in his life. He says, you've got 30 minutes, I'll tell you my story. And, and that story points people to Jesus. And, and, and Steve, no longer content with living a convenient Christian life, but now committed to live wholeheartedly for Jesus Christ. So Steve, I want to thank you for that testimony and thank you for sharing the love of Jesus with people you encounter all the time. God bless you, brother. And thank you. Uh, it, is, it is a vital part of who we are as followers of Jesus. Over the next several weeks, we've got a lot going on as a church. I tell you, Easter is coming. I don't know if you know that, but Easter is a huge weekend for us. March 27th is Easter. By the way, next Sunday is Time Change Sunday. Now, I know we spring forward in the spring and we fall back in the fall, but the way I remember Time Change Sunday, this time change Sunday is I lose an hour sleep okay so next week you do whatever you got to do to your clocks uh, and you're going to lose an hour sleep but you know that's all right you still got a little cushion you can come to the 11 o'clock service or the 12 30 service we'll be okay uh, the eight o'clock crew is they're in trouble you know I, they're just in trouble but uh, we've got we've got so many things that are happening so much to do for God and his kingdom We've got a lot to accomplish over the next several weeks, and I'm just excited for the opportunity to join you on this journey and see what God can do as His people, faithfully following after Him, uh, give ourselves wholeheartedly to His purpose. I believe that, that things can change in Hampton Roads because of what God does through this body of believers over the next several weeks. We've got a lot to do. Easter's coming, and I want to encourage you over the next several weeks, identify somebody that God puts in your life that you need to bring with you Easter weekend, one of the services that we have. Uh, this is a person who is far from God, who needs to know new life through faith in Jesus Christ. And right now, you begin to pray for that one person uh, whom you need to identify, and not only identify who they are, but invest time in them, and to build a relationship with them, and, and a friendship with them, whether it's a neighbor across the street, or whether it's a co-worker in a cubicle near you. Uh, God places those people on your heart, and you have the opportunity to invest in their life with the with the uh, purpose of inviting them to join with you uh, on Easter weekend at one of the services. And, and you bring them where they can hear the good news of Jesus Christ, how that they can see how to come alive in this world that is so filled with, with doom and gloom and, 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 and deep despair and darkness. And we have the opportunity and the privilege, you do, I do, of inviting them where they can hear the good news of Jesus Christ, where those who are far from God can find new life in Christ. And that's this Easter weekend, so I want to encourage you to do that. Now, the week after Easter, we're starting uh, a new uh, series of messages on relationships, and, and we're going to examine how that God can, uh, what God says about how we can develop and have healthy, satisfying relationships. Uh, 
But the great part of what we're doing the week after Easter is that we're tying that series of talks on Sunday morning, we're tying them to our small group structure uh, so that you'll have material uh, that is tied to the message on Sunday and, and that material will help you uh, be a participant in your life groups. Um, as part of that structure, however, we're inviting you and challenging you to join me and my family in, uh, in starting a life group in our home or at our work uh, where we can uh, take the material uh, and invite our neighbors or invite our coworkers to join us and, and just take uh, 45 minutes to an hour or 30 minutes, how much ever time you can allot, and spend time developing relationships and community with individuals in your neighborhood or at your workplace and talk to them and share with them what God says about developing uh, healthy relationships. We're going to be looking at communication and emotions. We're going to be looking at uh, 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 boundaries and roles and responsibilities in our relationships. It's going to cover a whole big uh, 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 swath of, of our relationship and our journey. And everybody, regardless of their religious background or non-existent religious background, everybody wants to know the secret to healthy relationships how that they can be satisfied in the relationships that they have. So I want to encourage you, if, if, if you are interested in starting this off-site uh, life group in your home or at your workplace, there is going to be an interest and a training meeting next Sunday on March 13th and the Sunday following on March the 20th. There's going to be an interest training meeting at Crossroads Center at 930, and there's going to be another interest training meeting at 11 o'clock somewhere here on this campus, and I don't know where, but I memorized all the other stuff. So, uh, but we'll find out, and you can ask at guest services, and I'm sure they'll have the information. Uh, I can stop. Karen, where's that going to be? Room 315? In room 315, that's up on the third floor, in room 15, room 315. Thank you, Karen. See, we got that. All right. Okay, now, the reason all that is important is because when we did something like this before, uh, we took six, eight weeks, and we did a, an off-group site, uh, off-group Bible studies tied to the sermon series, and, and, and one of the things that we saw God do was lead over 100 people to uh, meet Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior within those eight to nine weeks. Over 100 people met Christ. That same thing can happen today. Uh, we, we can see the simple proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ that will change lives. We want to help people who are far from God find life in Christ. So you want to be a part of that, this journey that God is taking us on as a church over the next several weeks. So that leads us to today. And what we're doing today is we're looking at more than just a whale of a tale called Jonah. We're actually seeing the story of us through Scripture as it's revealed in the book of Jonah. Last week, we heard Jonah singing a song of praise from the belly of the whale, where he was talking to God about how God had rescued him as the song ended in Jonah chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. As the song ended, Jonah committed himself to the task that God had given him. Remember, in Jonah chapter 1, God called Jonah uh, to go to Nineveh, that great city. And Jonah said, no. I'm not going to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to go there because Nineveh was his hated enemy. 
And yet God had called Jonah uh, to share uh, with the Ninevites. And so Jonah disobeyed the Lord and he got on a boat and he ran the other way to a place called Tarshish. But through a storm and getting thrown into the ocean, Jonah determined that he would be obedient to what God had called him to do. And in his uh, repentance before God, and God rescued Jonah by sending a fish to swallow him and spit him up out on the, on the sandy shore. And so in Jonah chapter 3, we pick back up. Jonah has already committed himself to pay the vow that he had made to God, and that was to go to Nineveh. So in Jonah chapter 3, beginning in verse 1 through verse 4, Scripture says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time and said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose, went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk and cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So as we look at this passage, we see that Jonah was obedient. He was obedient to God's call. What was God's call? To be God's ambassador to the city of Nineveh. In the same way, God calls you and me as followers of Jesus to be his ambassador ambassador in our world. God sends you and me, if indeed you're a follower of Jesus, God sends us to be his ambassador in our world. This ties to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, chapter 5 verse 20 where the apostle Paul writes for we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us we implore you we beg you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God now you might say well that's for the special people that's for the preacher type people let me tell you something when I met Jesus as my savior and king as a teenage boy The day that I crossed that line of faith, the day that I moved from darkness into light, the day that I was dead but came alive through Jesus Christ, that day that I was rescued, the day that I was saved, the day that, that I became born again, that day I took on the mantle of an ambassador. The Apostle Paul clearly says in chapter 5, verse 17, two verses, three verses before verse 20. In chapter 5, verse 17, the apostle Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now, all these things are from God who has reconciled us to himself, and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And we have received, all these things are from God, and we have received this word of reconciliation. That is that God uh, was reconciling the world to himself through Christ Jesus, not imputing or placing on us our trespasses. Uh, And now he has made us ambassadors for him. When you became a follower of Jesus, you became Christ's ambassador in your world. That is your calling. The question is, will we be like Jonah in chapter 1 or will we be like Jonah in chapter 2 and 3? If we're like Jonah in chapter 1, we understand our calling as an ambassador for Christ. We just won't do it. 
We just decide, I would rather be disobedient to God than, uh, than, than experience the discomfort and the pain and the inconvenience of being His ambassador in my world. Make no mistake, you are either going to be obedient to your calling as an ambassador or you're going to be disobedient. disobedient. Jonah chapter 1 is the disobedient aspect. Jonah chapter 2 and 3, this is the obedient aspect. This is where Jonah said yes to what God had called him to do. He said, yes, I will pay my vows. Yes, I'll be faithful. Yes, I'll go to Nineveh. Today, I want to encourage all of us to embrace Jonah chapter 2 and 3, not Jonah chapter 1. I want to encourage you as a follower of Jesus to understand that it is your calling in life, given to you by God himself, to help those who are far from God find new life in Christ. It is your calling as it is my calling, regardless your age, your stature, your station, Regardless of your religious, uh, 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 the religious information that you feel like you have, your calling as a follower of Jesus Christ is to be God's ambassador in your world. With your neighbors, with your friends, with the people with whom you go to school, with the people across your, uh, uh, your, the cul-de-sac, with the people that, that God places in your path, you are called to be God's ambassador. And if you're going to be obedient, that means that you've got to follow in the pattern and the model that Jonah said. An ambassador that is faithful means that we go to where people are. It means that we go to where they are. It's, it's, not, it's not enough for us to invite people to come to where we're comfortable It is important. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. We should. You need to take these little invite cards that you see all around, these little come alive invite cards. You need to take them, and you need to invite your neighbors. You need to invite your friends to join us here because it's important to invite people to come here where we're comfortable and and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying that is not uh, the, the final role of an ambassador. When I go to a foreign country, if I get in trouble with the law there, I'm going to go to a particular building in that foreign country. Where is that place that I'm going to go? It's an embassy, the United States embassy, because I'm a United States citizen. And I'm going to go to that embassy, and hopefully the United States ambassador will be in that United States embassy. Now, why do we have an ambassador of the United States in a place like India or Vietnam or uh, uh, a country in Africa or even in London or Russia? Why do we have an embassy there? Why do we have an ambassador there? Because that ambassador is the representative of his homeland. He is the representative of, of, of who we are here in the United States. He represents those whom he, uh, from whom he was sent. An ambassador, however, lives in foreign territory. He lives on foreign soil. An ambassador goes to the foreign place and plants his roots there so that he might faithfully represent his homeland and his king faithfully. Now, you and I are called to be ambassadors for Christ. That means that we need to go to where they are. God said, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim the message that I've given to you. Friends, it is not enough for us 
to sit in the comfort of our cocoon here in this place. And by the way, uh, things here are going to be uncomfortable pretty soon. Uh, We've got a highway that's going to expand. It's going to adjust and change uh, our comfort levels here. And if you want to know more about that and some of the choices that we're going to have to make and and have your voice heard, uh, we're going to have a town hall meeting on March the 20th right here in this room at 5 o'clock. Encourage you to be here. Isn't it neat how I got that in? So, uh, but here we are. We, we love this place. We love this, this, this facility and this space. We love it. And I, I feel comfort when I come here. But it's not enough as an ambassador to sit in, in, in the comfort of this territory and say I'm being faithful. I'm not. A faithful ambassador goes to where the people are. Now, Nineveh was a wicked city filled with wicked people who did not know God and did not worship God. And yet God was sending Jonah to those people. Those people who did not like him, did not know him, just soon kill him. Nahum called the city the bloody city of Nineveh. Because there was so much wickedness and blood on the hands of the people who lived there. And yet God sent Jonah as his ambassador to that city. Guys, you and I, you and I are called to, to, to uh, uh, connect with people where they are in their own bloody lives, in their own difficult days. Those who are far from God, who do not know him, who are living in darkness and maybe even living hostile toward God as the Ninevites were. You and I are called to connect with them. How do you connect with people that do not agree with that which you is is the core foundation of your life how do you connect with people who uh, despise the things of god and god himself how do you connect with people like that well it's simple you just ask them about their children or their grandchildren or their parents or their friends do you realize that one of the best ways to connect with people where they are is to begin a conversation about their family Just asking them questions. Tell me about your family. You know, everybody's got a family. They might not like their family, but everybody's got a family. You ask my girls, some days they like to talk about me. Some days they really like to talk about me. But it's an easy conversation starter. Today, uh, just begin to think about whom God is laying upon your heart with whom you are called by Him to share. He's calling you to arise and go to that person and share His message with them. Uh, just, just how do you do that? Well, you begin by asking, can you tell me about your family? You know, we've worked together for 15 years and I don't know the first thing about your family. Or maybe you do know about their family. Maybe you say, well, how's your, how, how's your niece or how's your, how's your cousin or how's your brother or how's your uncle? You ask questions about their family, not in a way to get through a presentation, but in a way of pure, common interest. Because you care about them, you're going to ask them about their family. And as you ask them about their family, it leads to connect even further at an even deeper level. You move from their family to their interests. And you ask them about their interests. What did you do this weekend? Now, when you ask that question, you need to hold on and not betray your shock and awe if they really tell you what they did this weekend. You know, people have different interests. 
people have different things that excite them and encourage them. And especially people who don't know Christ, they're begging for some ounce of hope and life. And so they're going to be chasing a lot of different things to get there. So we need to ask them about their interests. You talk to them about their family. Tell me about your family. Or tell me, how's your dad doing? Or how's your mom doing? Or how are your kids doing? And then move to their interests. Well, what'd you do this weekend? Let's talk about this weekend. And they tell you what they did this weekend. Somebody were asked me, I would say, I went to Barnes & Noble, got fly fishing magazines, took pictures of different articles that I thought were neat and cool, then bought a couple of magazines so I could come back and I could tie some flies so I could catch some fish next time I go fishing. And they say, what? And then I'd show them some pictures. Here, here, here. Oh, wow, boring. Hey, anyway, we need to ask people. Not, not just so we can get through a presentation, but so that we can have a conversation, so that we can connect with them. You talk to people about what they enjoy, and you show a real interest and are really interested in what they enjoy, then, then they're going to have a, 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 a heart that's wider open and less closed to you. So you talk to them about their family. You, you ask them questions about their interests and their hobbies. And then that leads naturally to a... a, a, a a more challenging question, but it's an easy question. That You told me what you did this weekend. Wow, that's interesting. I don't know what you did, but it scares me a little bit. Can, can I ask you another? When you go to church, where do you go? Yeah, it's a simple question. People understand going to church. Everybody, just about everybody I ever ask that question, they've got a name of a church. They might not have been there for 40 years, but they've got a name of a church. What church do you attend? When you go to church, where do you go? Now, don't ask them the name of the priest or the pastor or the guru because chances are many of them will not know the name of the preacher, the pastor, or the guru because they haven't been in 20 years or 10 or maybe a year. But the, the, what you're trying to do is you're trying to move the conversation from family to interest to religious questions, spiritual questions. Now, people want to talk about spiritual things. Uh, the good news about this culture is not that they're more Christian than they were before. That, that's, that's, that, that's not the reality. But the good news is that th this generation, this culture, they love to talk about spiritual stuff. They're open to that conversation. So, so we talk to them, when you go to church, where do you attend? And, and they may have all kinds of different answers. That, well, I don't believe in going to church. I don't believe in organized religion. Okay, whatever. But, but, and and if they don't say that to me if they know I'm a preacher. Or some of them do. Those are the people I really like to talk to, by the way. Uh, but, but you ask them about their... Uh, really, what you're trying to do, you're trying to find some common ground. You know, one of the bases of a strong, uh, transparent, and authentic conversation is when both parties find common ground. Really, what you're looking for is common ground. You're looking for a place upon which you both can stand and trust each other. And you're a follower of Jesus, that means it's on you. You're the ambassador, it's on you to get on their turf and establish some common ground underneath both your feet. So as you talk about the religious background, it leads to, eventually, some spiritual questions. You ask them about heaven. I love to ask them about heaven because most people believe in heaven. If I were to ask them about hell, they would say, I don't believe in hell. But most people like to believe in heaven. So you ask them about heaven. Again, they don't mind talking about spiritual things, so talk about spiritual things. You say, well, <clears throat> in your opinion, what does it take to get to heaven? 
Now, you'll get a whole world of answers. Or uh, another question. So question one would be, you're talking about family, you're talking about interest, you're talking about religious uh, background when you attend church, where do you go? And then it leads to spiritual conversations, spiritual questions. Um, what do you think it takes to get to heaven? Or you can ask a different question. If God were to say, why should I let you into heaven, what do you think you'd say? And that leads them to talk. Now, you've got to listen to them talk. You can't just dive into to what you want to share. You've got to listen to them talk. So you talk to them about family. Tell me about your family. You're listening to them as they share their experiences, their interests, their hobbies, what they did the past weekend. Then you say, well, when you, when you attend church, where do you go? And as you share with them uh, where you go to church and you invite them to come with you, woo! Thank you. Chairman of the deacons. That's him. I got the amen. Uh, then it leads to these questions that are spiritually oriented. Tell me about what you think about him. How do you get to heaven, in your opinion? And they'll give you all kinds of answers, but that gives you the introduction you need to share the message that God gives us. See, Jonah went and he shared the message. Forty days, and Nineveh is going to be overthrown. Forty days, and Nineveh is going to be judged by a holy God, and it's going to be destroyed. But as Jonah shared the message, he anticipated he. What well, his reluctance to go to Nineveh in the first place was, he was afraid that they would repent and turn to God. He didn't want them to repent. He wanted them to be overthrown. So Jonah went sharing the message, believing that the people of Nineveh would actually believe God and repent. And that's exactly what happened. A, a mighty awakening took place in the city of Nineveh, whose population was probably around 120 to 140,000 people. And, and it swept through the streets of the city all the way up to the court. And, and the king himself of Nineveh turned to God in repentance. But that's because Jonah shared the message that God had given him. Now, you and I have a message to share. We are here, and we are in our world to share the terms of peace with God. We're here to share with them how that those who are far from God can find new life in Christ. So I want to help you share this good news with others. As you talk to them about their family, and then their interests, and then their religious background... And it leads to these exploratory questions. What do you think about heaven? How do you get there? If God were to ask you why I should let you into heaven, what do you think you'd say? And they give you some answer. It leads you to an opportunity to say, can I share with you what I believe? Again, in this culture, in this generation, in a postmodern and a pre-Christian culture in which we're fast becoming, make no mistake, your belief matters. It matters to everyone you encounter. They value what you believe. They don't necessarily believe it's the most important thing, but they value it. And so when you say, can I share with you what I believe? Most of the time they're going to say, sure. Or you can take the approach that Steve took at the gym. He says, if you've got 30 minutes, I want to tell you my story. So as you move through this conversation talking about family, talking about interests, talking about religious background, where you go to church when you go. And then the, then the uh, exploratory questions, these key questions, uh, uh, spiritual questions. Then you can say, can I share with you what I believe? And they say, sure. Well, when you start sharing this message, you're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. It begins with God's purpose. 
God's purpose. He loves you and he's made you for heaven. We see this in John 3.16. By the way, you can just stick with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you. While you're a sinner, while you're separated from him, just as you are, God loves you. For God loves the world in this way, that he sent Jesus to die for sinners. So the picture of John 3.16 tells us that, that God loves us. But another verse that might be helpful is Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 is the beginning of the story of humanity. God made man and woman in his own image and in his own likeness. The significance of God making man and woman in his own image means that God made us in a way that we desire and yearn to have a friendship with him. He made us with a capacity to know him. He made us with a yearning and a desire to be in friendship with him. He made us in a way that we are fit for heaven, that we yearn for heaven. We long for a heavenly existence. So when you're sharing with someone what you believe as an ambassador of Christ, and you're begging them, we beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, you begin by talking about God's love. God's love is the spring from which this story flows. God loves you. He has a purpose for your life. He's made you for heaven. So why haven't we experienced a heavenly existence? Why is it that we don't experience heaven on earth? If God made us for heaven, if God loves us, then why don't we taste heaven every day? And the answer is, number two, our need. Our sin separates us from God. Two verses that will be important for you, Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23. Romans 3.23 says that we have all sinned and fall short of God's glory. Every person who has ever lived fails to meet the moral and religious and spiritual requirements of a holy God. Our sin keeps us from experiencing that heavenly life. Romans 6.23 spells it out even more specifically, that the penalty for our sin is death. Death, which is separation from God for all eternity, yet 40 days, and you'll be overthrown. It is the story of judgment for sin that a holy God must bring down upon sinners. Now, you might need to explain what sin is. I, I don't usually have to explain what sin is. Most people understand the definition of sin. They might not acknowledge that it's a big deal, but they understand what it is. But if you feel the need to explain what sin is, simply say sin is doing anything that God doesn't want you to do. Or sin is refusing to do something that God does want you to do. That's sin. Now, sin is a big deal because it keeps us from tasting that heavenly life for which we were made by God at the very beginning of time. Sin separates us from God, and that creates a huge chasm in us. Number two, in that number two uh, uh, story, I always talk about the emptiness in my life. I was a religious guy. I was a moral guy. I tried to do all the rules just right. I, I memorized scripture. I prayed all the time. I was a spiritual dude, but there was an emptiness inside of me that I could not fill. There was a blank spot inside me that no amount of good works and effort and friendships could ever satisfy. 
And I'll ask the question, have you ever experienced anything like that? Nine times out of ten, that person will say, of course I have. And my response to them at that point is, well, if you've experienced that, it's a result of sin. Because sin has created this chasm in our life. We long to have friendship with God, but our sin keeps us from knowing Him as our friend and as our Father. So we go from talking about God's loving us, His purpose for us. He loves us and He made us for heaven. Talking about our need, why we don't experience a heavenly life is because of our sin which separates us from God. And that leads to God's response, God's provision for us. God's provision is that He sent Jesus to our rescue. Now here's where I'm going to camp. I might speed through number one and number two, but I'm going to camp on number three. Because number three is what sets apart the real good news and some fake good news. It is the real good news that Jesus and Jesus alone is the answer to our sin's dilemma. The, the, the real good news, the Bible good news, the true good news is that only Jesus can rescue us. And there is no way that we can rescue ourselves. There is no way that we can make ourselves good enough or right enough or look pretty enough to make us fit for heaven. Our sin has irre- irre- irrevocably damaged our relationship with God and sent us spiraling in despair because it separated us from God. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He has made us alive together in Christ Jesus. By grace, you have been saved. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. So as we look at who Jesus is, we're saying that Jesus, who is God, John chapter 1, verse 1, became man, John chapter 1, verse 14. That Jesus, who is God, became man. And he lived his life perfectly, sinlessly. He was spotless in every way. He met every moral and spiritual requirement that God demanded. And as we're sharing with them, we talk about Jesus being the perfect Savior. He is fully God. He is fully man. Yet in all of His perfection, because of His great love with with which the Father loved us, Jesus died in our place upon a cross. And I'll call them back to Romans 3.23. Or Romans 6.23. The wages, the penalty of our sin is death. Remember, the price that we must pay because of our sin is that we must die. But here we see that Jesus was killed on a cross. Why? It wasn't for anything that He had done wrong. He died on a cross to pay for my sin. I, I deserve death. Jesus, Jesus died in my place. For God made Him, this is 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. God loves us and He sent Jesus to our rescue. Jesus died on a cross for our sin. He was raised from the dead so that we might have a chance at a brand new life. So when we share with someone this week, that's someone that God puts on our heart, we need to go and we need to share with them, God made you 
uh, for heaven. He loves you. But your sin separates you from God. But God who loves you still sent Jesus to your rescue. And Jesus died on a cross for your sin. He died in your place to offer you forgiveness for your sin. And he, he was raised from the dead to give you a chance at a new life. And that leads me to ask the question, so what do you do with all that? It's not enough for us to know the facts And here's the problem with many who come to church every week and who have been coming to this church for uh, decades after decade. Part of the problem is you have convinced yourself that having a knowledge of the gospel is sufficient. It is not sufficient to know what the gospel says. The only way for you to be rescued from your sin is for you to receive Jesus, to repent your sin and come to faith in Jesus Christ. Our response is to receive Jesus. That is our response. So that's what the people of Nineveh did. The people of Nineveh, they believed God. It says in verses 5 through 10, they believed God and they repented. And God in His mercy and His grace rescued them from the judgment to come. That is the pattern throughout Scripture. It is the pattern for every human being. If when we see our sin before a holy God, if we will repent our sin and believe on Jesus as our only hope for rescue, then the Bible says we will be rescued. John chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received Jesus, to as many as believed on His name, to them He gave the right to be called the children of God. The only hope we have of friendship with God and being part of His family is when we by faith trust that Jesus is our only way to the Father. And we need to communicate that to the person with whom we are sharing this week. We need to communicate with them that Jesus is your only hope. And then we need to leave the results up to God. We need to let the Spirit of God do His mighty work because it is only the Spirit of God can awaken that stony heart of that person who is far from God and lead them to faith in Jesus Christ. It is the Spirit of God doing the work. So understand that even as you bear witness of Jesus, the Spirit of God is bearing witness of Jesus. And you need to let the Spirit of God have, its, have His full work of bringing that person from darkness to light, from death into life. But I will ask that person with whom I am sharing this week, I'll ask them, is that something that you would like to experience in your own life? Is that something that you want for yourself? Do you want to find this full measure of friendship with God and fellowship with Him? Do you want to taste a heavenly life today? Is that something you would like to do? And if they say yes, then I simply counsel them and say, the Bible says that if you will call upon God, and and acknowledge that you are a sinner. You admit that you've sinned before Him and that your sin separates you from God. And acknowledge that you believe that Jesus is your only hope. And you confess that He will be your King. You cry out to Him, Oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. If you'll do that, then make no mistake. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that you will be rescued. And it's just as simple as that. So we need to share our faith. The amazing thing is that when when Jonah shared the simple message, the whole city was transformed. 
I can only imagine what would happen in Hampton Roads if this church, if you and I here today would commit ourselves this week over the next seven days to share with that one person that God has planted on our heart. If we will commit to do that, leaving the results up to Him, I can only imagine the kind of awakening and revival that can happen in Hampton Roads. If just a hundred of us would share the gospel this week with just that one person that God has laid upon our heart, then this whole landscape of Hampton Roads will begin to change. But friends, we must obey. There is no way that Hampton Roads can 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 change until we we obey we must obey so my question to you is this as a follower of jesus christ as his ambassador in this world will you share the gospel this week at the end of each pew there are cards and it's a simple card that says i commit to share the gospel with someone this week if at the end of the pew if you'll take one pass it down Everyone get one. And if this week you will commit to share the gospel with someone this week, will you sign it? Will you bring it here to the altar or put it in the offering boxes as you leave? The commitment is you. By the way, here's where worship takes off. This is where worship takes off. It's not the song we sing. It's not even the message that is preached. It it, it is where you and I commit ourselves to, to be His ambassador, to live in accordance to His will, where we commit ourselves to something more than a convenient Christianity. Today, will you commit? And I I ask you to bring this down as a sign of your commitment, but also, I'm going to be praying for you all. And I I ask you to pray for me. See, i got to go out. I, I work with a bunch of Christian people. Most of my meetings are with people like you. So I have to go searching for people who don't know Jesus. Will you pray for me that every day this week, every single day this week, that God puts in my path that someone who is far from Him that needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Will you pray that for me? I'm going to be praying for you. If you're a guest here today, come to our guest reception. If you need to know whether or not for sure you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you come to the guest reception, and we'll help you. If you want to join the church, come to the guest reception. We'll take care of all of it in there since I preached for like 55 minutes. This is our worship. Will you be Jonah chapter 1, disobedient? Or will you be Jonah chapter 2 and 3? and say yes to your calling as an ambassador. Let's pray. Father, as we leave today, let us leave with a passion to represent you in our world. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Good morning.